Well, hey, um, Pastor John is uh, taking this Sunday away, and so uh, I get to open the word with you this morning. And happy week after Easter. I hope you all had a good Easter. Um, this week, we're going to j- dive back into the series that we were in prior to Easter, which is a series entitled Transcend. And we've been working through the book of Philippians, and we've been looking at Paul, this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi, and Paul is writing them, and he's really um, encouraging them. And he uses his own example from prison. He uses the example of Jesus, and he's encouraging them um, in, their, in, in their faith and in their walk. And they're, in, they're going through some challenges as a church. There, there's some outside influences that are bringing false teaching. And so he brings a word uh, to, to, to them to help restore the, the church. And so we've looked at things like this through the series already. Uh, Just to recap, we've looked at how we're supposed to love each other, how we are to value the gospel as our priority, how Jesus needs to be at the center of everything in our lives, how suffering shapes our lives to stand firm in the gospel. And then just before Easter, the two weeks leading up to Easter, John talked uh, uh, for those two weeks about unity and the concept of, of unity. And so this beginning Uh, half of the book of Philippians, Paul has really laid out the the, the bedrock of the church's Christian faith, that we need to stand firm in Christ, that he needs to be the the center, that that we need to love each other, the the unity that comes, the the bedrock of our faith. And now, he um, so he starts with this gospel. He starts with the, the gospel worked out in a community. And then he shifts to that focus of community and how the gospel finds its expression in the community. And so that's what we're going to move into and look at today and how we live uh, in, into that humility and unity as a community what that looks like when we live that out together. So he's bringing together these two pieces, the gospel and the community. And so we're going to dive into the next section here this morning. But this is important. This is the foundation of where he's going. This is going to lead us to what we're looking at today in this whole idea of community. So let's begin reading in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. As he... uh, as he paints this connection here between gospel and community. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, these two verses are are kind of a transition statement between the example that Paul has been giving and his encouragement now that he's going to encourage the church to step out. Now, the example was his own example from prison. Uh, That's the humility and the suffering and and what that looks like to transcend, uh, to let God's power transcend in our lives when things don't look like we think they're going to look. So he uses his own example. And then he uses the example of Jesus. Jesus going to the cross, the ultimate humbling of going to the cross to die for our sins and provide us a way to have relationship again with the Father. And so he uses this example now as as that bedrock that I talked about 
to springboard into his encouragement for the church. And what's Paul's encouragement to the church? To that church at Philippi, that church that is kind of under attack and needs to bind together. His encouragement is to live out gospel, live out the gospel in community. To live it in community. And that requires, first and foremost, that we are a healthy community. And that's where he starts to bring in those different themes of of unity and humility and those different things that feed into what it looks like to be a healthy community. But he sums it up like this in these two verses. How are we to live as healthy community? The first thing he says is we are to work at it. That it's actually going to take some work that we have to contend for healthy community. And that all of this that he's, that, that he's been drawing us to results in the, the, the culmination is community, but it, it has to be worked on. It has to be, it has to be encouraged. Now, this term, work out your salvation, a lot of times, a lot of times we take this, um, that phrase, and we apply it personally, that there's some sort of personal discipline or, or, or personal um, faith doctrine that we need to know, that we need to like somehow wrestle with our salvation and come to terms and know exactly what we believe. Now, those might be good things, but that's not the context that Paul is talking about here. When he says, work out your salvation, he is talking to a community. He's not talking to an individual. And so it looks a little bit different. The word work out in the Greek is better understood as work work at or strive for. So he's saying, strive for this. And then that word um, salvation, soteria, it's literally the health that comes when you're saved. It has this health aspect. And so Paul's message to this community is strive for the health of the community. For the community to be healthy, you have to strive for the health of the community. That's part of our salvation is that we come together as community and we strive for health together. So Paul is not telling them to work harder at being saved. He's telling them, that Paul, he he wants them to work harder at the health of the community. And he sees that as critical to the success and the health of what's happening here. So I I, I don't know about you, I'm I'm not a huge college basketball fan, but every year when the tournament rolls around, I get excited. The March Madness College Basketball Tournament. And last Monday was the championship game. So uh, it whittles down from 64 teams all the way down to two teams going for the championship. And this year, uh, Villanova uh, beat up on Michigan. They beat them bad. And it was, um, but what I love about the tournament is they're the upsets that happen along the way. That's always the, fun, the funnest part of watching. You get a team that is unheard of, and, and you, you get this Cinderella story of them going deep into the tournament. And this year, one of those teams was Loyola Chicago. Now, I know you're all so familiar with Loyola Chicago, right? Maybe you are now, but you weren't before the tournament, that's for sure. Loyola Chicago, um, they, uh, they have quite a reputation now because they came into the tournament as a number 11 seed. 
Now, nobody expected them to go far into the tournament. In fact, nobody really expected them to get out of the round of 64. And so Loyola Chicago went all the way to the, round, to, to the final four, the round of four. No one expected that they could get that far. You might remember seeing um, their little chaplain. She's 98 years old, Sister Jean. She's there, she was there cheering at all their games. And you look at a team like this that is, um, they don't have the talent of some of the number one seeds. They don't have the notoriety or the prestige. But what they have going for them is teamwork. A team like that that comes in and they're the underdogs, they're scrappy. And they work together. And they know that if they're going to accomplish anything, it's not going to be on the backs of one star athlete. It's going to be because they work together as a team. I want to show you this picture on the screens here. This is a picture of one of their practices. This is a team that's praying together. That is, uh, they're doing more than playing basketball, aren't they? You don't just step onto the court and, and start playing. To be a team, you have to work at it. This is what one of the Chicago sports writers from the Chicago Tribune had to say about this team. He said, the Ramblers played five unforgettable, unexpected NCAA tournaments in 17 days, reaching the Final Four and capturing America's imagination simply by being themselves. Their authenticity and innocence created a cynicism-free zone around Loyola basketball. They played smart and selfless basketball on the court and acted humble and kind off of it appreciating everything they had accomplished while taking, uh, well not, without taking anything for granted along the way. They set an example and altered perception of the Loyola program that will never be the same. I love this. This is a community that worked at this. If we want to be a healthy community, a community that can work together as a team, we got to work at it. This is incredible. You know, we, we come together as the, the body of Christ, the, the church. And it's far more than a bunch of individuals that walk into this room and then walk back out. Because we have a mandate from God to be a community of the gospel. We are a family that gets to live out his purpose and his plan for our city together. And so what happens here together, when we sing and we, we join in unison in song, there, there's something that's uniting our hearts, that we're working at being a community. When we do things together like serve day in the community, we are working at being a community that, that leans on each other. We're working on health. When we're in community groups throughout the week, we're, we're leaning in on each other. We're in relationship. We're working at being a, a healthy community. And so the first thing is we work at it. The second thing he says here is that we depend on God's power to be a healthy community. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. God's the one that's working here. It's his power. Now this concept of fear and trembling, does that mean that we're just supposed to be terrified of God all the time? Like our motivation for our Christian behavior and, and belief is that we're just terrified that God's going to smite us. That's not it. I mean, a healthy respect for God is a good thing. But what he's saying here is that we take this seriously. 
that we take seriously this role that God is going to work this into us and that the health of the community matters, that it's something that we have to value, but it's not something that we have to create. See, we are participants in that. We have a role in that. We are part of the community in that, but it's by God's power working among us. And that's what creates the health in our community. It's not that we all become a great bunch of great singers or Bible theologians or whatever else. It's that God is doing something among us. There's life here when we gather. Can I just say, there is, God is doing great things in our church. We've been telling some of the stories about what God is doing um, through video on, uh, in our Antioch stories. If you've missed those, you can go back on our website and, and see the, some of the incredible things that God is doing. He's doing great things among us. And it's not by our power or our religiosity. It's because God wants to bring us together and do amazing things among his people when we worship him and humble ourselves before him. So to be a healthy community, we have to depend on God's power. We rely on him doing it among us. Now, when I see these words, work out and fear and trembling, I am very familiar with that scenario. Every time I go to work out, it is with fear and trembling. I'm part of, uh, right now, I'm part of Fit Body Boot Camp here in Simi Valley. And I'm in week one of, of this boot camp. Do any of you remember what it's like to work out in week one? If you see me hobbling around or, or trying to stretch or something, you'll know why. But when we come together, we have to work at it. There's a working out of what God is working in among us. And sometimes that comes with a little bit of pain and a little bit of, of working through issues and relationships and things. But God wants to knit us together. He wants to knit us together to rely on his power. Have you ever had to rely on God's power for something? Have you ever come to the end of yourself and said, I've got nothing left to offer? This has to be you, Lord. This has to be your power. That is the kind of reliance that Paul is encouraging this church at Philippi to have, that, that if they're going to be a healthy community that's, that, that, is, um, that is honoring God and you knit, uh, knit together then they're going to have to rely on him together. Together, corporately, they're going to have to rely on him together. So listen now to verse 13. He works, uh, he works his will into us. He says, it says, in us. So he wor- he's the one that works that in us, and that's a community. And this is what the crazy part of this, that God works this in us so that we can please him. He's literally pleasing himself through us when we're a healthy community. When, when, we get, when we get this right and we're depending on his power. I love that. And just like, th- this is the, the cool thing, that when that happens, people notice. People notice that. Just like people have taken notice of the Loyola Chicago basketball team that was nowhere on the map. And now this sports writer says their program will never be the same. Listen, when, when we can get healthy as a community, we will never be the same. 
God, God wants to do amazing things through us, and we will never be the same if, if God works that into us and we allow him to unite us together as a community. Now, here's where Paul is leading this. He makes this point that it's God working in us and through us. And here's where he's leading them in his encouragement to them. That a, a, a healthy community is a witnessing community. A healthy community is a witnessing community. And so he's encouraging them now to live this out. All that he's talked about up to this point, all of the unity, all of the humility, all of the love for Christ, all of the working through the suffering, all of the coming together as a body, all of that culminates in this concept that we are to do all of that so that we can live as a witness to the world. That's his encouragement to the church at Philippi. The definition of witness is to see or to give evidence or proof. That kind of sounds in, in, at church like it's kind of a churchy word, a religious word that we go and witness. We equate it to evangelism. And, and automatically half of the room disqualifies ourselves because we don't feel adequate to do that. But that's not what, it, that's not what this uh, refers to. Witness literally means that you see something and you're able to give witness to it. You're able to give evidence or proof of it. Think of like when you're driving down the freeway and there's an accident and you're frustrated because you're sitting in the traffic, right? Because all the people want to take a look and see what's going on. And then what do you do when you get to there? You take a look and see what's going on. We all, we all want to see what's going on. Being a witness is being able to see what's happening. And if you were an eyewitness to that accident, you may get called into court if there was a lawsuit. Because your testimony, your witness, would give evidence to what actually happened. And it would be admissible into court as proof of what took place. Now that's what Paul is saying is our role as a Christian community, as the body of Christ, as a witnessing community, that we witness the things that God is doing among us. We see God at work among us. We're healthy, so we're seeing an outpouring of God's power here among us. And then we give the world evidence of what's happening. That literally that through our experience of encountering God, we are proof to the world that he is alive and active and working. See, a healthy community is a witnessing community. Now, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be used that way. What you have to be is authentic. What you have to be is real. And what you have to be is connected to that community. God will use anybody at any time for his purpose. He wants to use the messes that you're going through, the sins that you're struggling with, all of the messiness of our lives, the storms that we face, all of that, he will use it. We don't have to get our act together to be a witness. We're a witness right now where we're at. You don't have to be a Christian for 20 years before God will use you as a witness. God wants to use your journey of finding him and discovering who he is. And he wants to use that. He wants you to share that. He wants you to be a witness at whatever stage you're at in your life today.
A healthy community is a witnessing community. And our lives are the proof. Our lives are the proof. So a healthy church works out what God is working in among us. We have to work that out. And so here's how Paul now says that we can do this. He goes into a couple, another, uh, a couple specifics here of how he encourages the Philippian church to live this out and to live out as a healthy witnessing community. So here's what he says in verse 14 going on in chapter 2 there. He says, Do all things without grumbling and disputing. I like that just once again he has to reiterate that unity piece. That like we're going to come together and we're going we're gonna to be healthy together. He has to get that in there one more time because he knows we struggle with it. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Wow. That's the purpose of a healthy community. Let's break this down a little bit and take a look at this. So instead of being uh, a community that has arguing and complaining, verse 14, he goes on and he says, witnessing communities are blameless and innocent. Blameless and innocent. Now, blamelessness is the work of God through grace. It's not something that we um, are automatically blameless because we've worked that up or we're a good person or we've done the right things. That's something that God has to do in us by his grace, and he calls us blameless. Innocence has to do with being undiluted. It has to do with being pure. A number of years ago, uh, Denise and I got to go to Kona, Hawaii. I actually went there to run a marathon, the Kona Marathon. And... Uh, one of the things that we love, Denise and I, is coffee. And Kona coffee is world-renowned as some of the best coffee in the world. And the thing about we, that we learned when we were there is that Kona coffee, to be considered genuine, the genuine article, the genuine Kona coffee, it has to grow within this like 500-foot elevation band around the island. Because that is the premium, optimal growing conditions for coffee beans. And so there's all these coffee farms that dot this road all along this 500-foot band uh, along the mountains. And so we went there and we hit every farm and went every tasting room. We were hyped up, caffeine out it. We, we We were buzzing the entire trip. It was awesome. We were in heaven. And here's the thing, you go into the grocery store here and you go buy Kona coffee, if you look at, at what, the Kona, what it is, 10% Kona coffee. The rest of it is a blend from South America or Africa or somewhere else because it's so sought after and so expensive that they, they only will mix in 10% and call it Kona coffee. But let me tell you, when you drink the pure thing, there was nothing better that I had ever had in my life than 100% pure Kona coffee. At a number of the different farms, um, 
uh, sell locally through Costco. And so we went to Costco and bought in bulk. We brought a whole suitcase full of Kona coffee home with us so we could be drinking pure Kona coffee. There's something about the purity of 100%. And that's what Paul is getting at here. He's saying that if we're, we, he wants us a community that will be blameless and innocent. That, that God is working something in us to bring something that is above reproach, that we're blameless by the world, and it's something that he's going to do in us, and that we're 100% representation of who he is to the people around us. When he works in us, people get to see the real deal. They don't see the mixture of our history of Christianity. They don't see the mixture of the form or the way that we do church. They don't see the the values that we bring into the mix. They see Jesus. We can drop the denominational lines. We can drop the, the, the theology. We can drop the barriers. And people get to see the light of Christ when we allow God to move among us in a powerful way. So he's saying, first of all, that witnessing communities have to be blameless and innocent. The problem is is that we're not always blameless and innocent, are we? Sometimes we don't receive God's grace and forgiveness. Sometimes we we don't represent 100% pure. We, We add something in. But Christ plus anything else is a weak community witness. Christ plus a jam-packed schedule, it equals out to being a weak community witness because you don't have time for anybody. Christ plus your addiction or your secret sin in your life, it equals a, a weak community witness because there's something that's always undercutting what God is, wants to do in and among us as a community. And so we've got to come back and say, are we blameless and are we innocent before the Lord? Well, secondly, witnessing communities are children of God. Children of God. I love that that he says this. Because children of God include, there's so much packed into that little phrase. You know, as children, we bear an image. We bear resemblance. As children, we are heirs to all that our, our father has. As children, we have an identity. There's so much in that little phrase that that he's saying, as a witnessing community, we are the children of God. We are are part of God's kingdom now. This is personal. We're not just looking in from the outside. This is personal. God's mission to the world is a mandate for us to take personal because we are family with God. Now, Denise and I, we know a little bit about this uh, uh, concept of adoption and being adopted as children. We adopted our three children. Here's a a little family photo. Uh, This um, up on the screen here, that was was at Dominic's adoption. And so that happened in January, and now all three of them are officially ours and adopted. Isn't that awesome? These three little ones will never be known again by the names they were given at birth. They have a new identity. They have a new identity. They're heirs to something that is new. They've been adopted into Team Looney. 
<laughs> so Isaiah Jonathan Looney, Arabella Denise Looney, Dominic Paul Looney will never have that other identity. They have a new identity in the Looney family. God is saying, I want to give you a new identity in me. You've been called out from the condemnation and sin of the world to have a new identity as a child of God, as, as a, a personal uh, representation of God, as an heir of his kingdom, that we get to have a part in his mission to this world. And so a witnessing community, witnessing communities are children of God. We can relish that. We can celebrate it. We can take confidence in it. We can be courageous in it because our father, our daddy, is the God of the universe. He's bigger than the storms. He's bigger than the challenges. He's bigger than the things that we face. And he wants to take a community where he works this in us so that he can work it out through us. Third, witnessing communities, he's, Paul says here in verse 15, are without blemish. They're without blemish. That word blemish is kind of a funny word if you, if you think about it. Just say that in your head for a couple times, blemish. It's like, ugh, blemish. This word in the Greek, it refers, it's the same word that was used to refer to Israel's sin. And over and over and over, we see in this history of Israel, they failed, right? God would call them and they would come, they would rise to his purpose as his people and then they would fail. And that process happened over and over and over. And what Paul is getting at here is that we can be a community that lives without blemish because of what God is doing among us. That is incredibly freeing because we all fail. We all fall. Some of us in this room are a mess right now. We're going through something, and we don't, we're muddling our way through it. And guess what? God's grace is there for you to pick you up and carry you through it. And that's what we do, not only through God working in you individually, but through the community. We pick each other up through Christ and help each other get through those times. We can be a community that is without blemish. That's what witnessing communities are. And when people see that, when people see God working in us to get us through and carry us back to being without blemish, when people see a community rallying around each other to help each other through those challenges, the world takes notice. The world says, oh man, there's another Loyola Chicago. They came out of nowhere, but they're amazing. The way they care for each other, that can't, that, there has to be something deeper going on there. It's a witnessing community. Fourth, witnessing communities are in and among a twisted generation. In and among a twisted generation. Now, this word in, of the in and among, it literally means in the middle of. In the middle of a twisted generation. And the, the, the crooked, in the midst, it says in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. The crookedness refers to how people are accomplishing their object, uh, objective. That they will go to whatever lengths necessary 
to accomplish their objective. And the word twisted has to do with perverting the truth, that the truth becomes relative and is twisted to be whatever they want it to be. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like our culture? Well, guess what? Paul wasn't writing that just to our culture. He's writing that to the specific culture of the church at Philippi. It was the exact same thing for them then. They were in the middle of a culture that was trying to tear apart the church. It was trying to to bring false doctrine and false belief into the church and and tear them apart. And, And he says, if you're going to be a witnessing community, a healthy community of what God's doing among you, you're going to have to do it with in and around some crookedness. In fact, the example of Jesus wasn't just that, oh, you better watch out for sinners, right? He planted himself in the middle of sinners. And, and Paul's use of the Greek word where he says in is right in the middle, right in the middle of the twisted generation that we live in. That's where we're supposed to be planted. We're not supposed to be huddled in our church. We're not supposed to be um, studying the Bible together in our, in our little huddles until Christ comes back. We're supposed to be right there out in the middle of it, being Christ to the world that is so dark. That's what a witnessing community can look like. That's what we, a healthy community, looks like. I love how some of our community groups are living this out. Community groups are one of the primary ways where we lean in on each other to live this out. And we live in tight-knit community. Now, going, coming to church is, uh, that, it's incredible when we, when we come together and we worship Christ And maybe for some of us, that's a good starting point, is being here and being present and being part of what God is doing. You know that the national average for church attendance has now dipped to just twice a month? That's among among Christians who would call themselves devout Christian believers. If you're only connected to the community, to the body of Christ twice a month, it's hard to be a healthy community. It's hard for us to be one as a church and allow and be in step with what God is doing among us. We have to be present. But where this gets lived out in community groups is beautiful because some of our community groups, are, they're going to third space. Third space, if you're not familiar with that term, uh, is a neutral territory, a neutral ground. So like your, your home would be a first space. It's, your, it's like your dominion. It's where you're most comfortable Your workplace or your school would be a second space. You spend a lot of time there. You're comfortable there, but it's still kind of yours. Third space is a neutral ground where everybody's familiar with that place because everybody considers it neutral. So like, for instance, so we have some of our community groups that that go to like the Tapo uh, Canyon food court area. And they meet together as a community. There's no barriers to, to go to somebody's house. Or, you know, there's the, the barriers are down and it's a neutral place where people can see the, the community coming together and just being community. The, the community group that I'm a part of, once a month we go to cronies here in town. You know what we do there? I hope this doesn't offend anybody. We drink beer. Can God be at work in a witnessing community that goes to cronies to drink beer? Well, guess what happens? 
the whole of the restaurant and all of the people that we bring there to be among us, they get to see people that are normal human beings, that aren't weird Christian wackos, and they get to see a group of people that love each other and care about each other because we're knit together by the bond of Christ. Man, it's beautiful. We can be a witnessing community. And a witnessing community is one that is in and among, right there in the depths of the ugliness and the darkness of our world. That's what we're called to be. That's where we're, that's where we're called to be as a church. Lastly, a witnessing community is one that is shining as lights in the world. Shining as lights in the world. So, so we're supposed to be right in the middle of all of the darkness, but we don't take on the darkness, right? We shine the light. In the middle of that place is where we get to shine the brightest. We get to be the representation of Christ. We get to reflect his light, the light of the risen Christ, the Savior, the one that wants to call other people out of the darkness and into the light that they can know the Father again. Now, when I think about this, I think of, I think of light like, like a prism or how it spreads or, or like a jewel. And uh, I have a picture here of a diamond. Look at this diamond. Now, there's one point of light coming into the diamond, but how many points of light do you see coming out of the diamond? You see, you place that diamond in the middle of the darkness with one light on it, there is a 365 degrees of points of light that are coming out of that gem because of the way that it's cut. Now, a raw, a raw diamond that you pick out of the ground, it won't do this because it hasn't been shaped and cut to reflect the light. See, now a healthy community is one where we allow God to work among us to start to shape us. And he cuts off the rough edges. He, he, he cuts off the, the sin that has entangled our lives. He cuts off the areas that we struggle with. And, and, and the, the, he carries us through the storms and, and the suffering. And he begins to shape who we are. Not individually, but together, that together we can form this beautiful beautiful picture of his light and he begins to work in us in a way that when his light hits us we reflect the pure undiluted beauty of Jesus Christ to a world that is in darkness and desperately needs light that's what a healthy witnessing community can accomplish it's beautiful we marvel at diamonds for their beauty. If you could sit back and see a healthy community of Christ that is shining His light, we could marvel at that. It's beautiful. But the question is, are we shining? Do we want to shine or are we content to have the rough edges and just be a little dull? Who are we going after? Who are, what are the places we're inserting ourselves into the darkness to, to, to minister to? 
And like I said, this doesn't have to be something that we, we're all cut out for, that we're super Christians. This isn't an evangelism message. This is, this is a community message to say, are we living in community in a way that puts us in a posture that we want to, we want to be on mission for God? We want to reflect. We want to adjust our schedule. We want to adjust our lifestyle. We want to get rid of the things that held us back. We're ready to take a step forward. We're willing to do whatever it takes. We're going to strive for healthy community witness. That's what Paul is telling them here in Philippians. He ends by saying this in verses 16 through 18. He says, holding fast to the word so that, they, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He says, hold fast. Don't be distracted. You got to hold fast to this. You got to focus in on this because this is our primary purpose. This is critical to who we are as a community. You got to hold fast to the word. You got to hold fast to what God is doing among us. And then he says, don't run in vain. Don't just spin your wheels. Don't just show up and be part of the community. You got to do something with that. It's for a reason, it's for a purpose that we can shine as his light in a twisted generation. So don't, don't run in vain. And then we can rejoice. He says we can rejoice. We can rejoice that, that we are a people of God that's been saved from our ugly sin, that's been brought into relationship, and then commissioned to go on his behalf as his children. We get to go and bear his image. We get to rejoice. That brings a, a courage and a courageous Christianity that is unparalleled. We can be this community. When we transcend the challenges that we face individually and as community, we get to experience a community that was designed by God to be a gospel witness. Now for some of you, this might mean taking your very first steps of faith. It might mean that you actually are open to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the step that you need to take this morning of being part of his community is that, that you aren't yet one of his children. And you need to come and you need to surrender your life and say, I want to serve my life for you. Lord, Lord, pick me up. I'm ready to journey with you and discover more about you. For some of us, it might mean that we, like I said, that we are more present and more connected with the community that God, of what God is doing here. Now, I, I don't want to preach church attendance because that, that doesn't equal spirituality. It doesn't equal salvation. But there is something uh, special and dynamic that of, uh, when we come together. That verse that says, where two or three are gathered, he is present in their midst. That didn't mean that we have to gather two or three so, for, so that God will hear us. The point of that verse was that there's something special and powerful that happens when the people of God gather together. And we got to be present for that so that God can work in this community and shape us together. 
Maybe that might mean going to a line or, or going to the discipleship essential classes so that God can begin to shape and cut away some things. Maybe it means you join a community group where you can lean on uh, some other believers and have them lean on you and encourage each other to step out. It might mean that we together are a little more engaged. But there's another step to that. See, we can't walk out of here hearing uh, the message today that I need to be a better witness. We ought to do something with this. Who is the person that you're going to go and be present with? Who are you going to walk alongside in your life? Where is the place that you're going to go to be among the darkness? What does that look like for you? What does it look like for us as a church? Because let me tell you, when we can get a hold of this as a church, of being a healthy community, a witnessing community, it's beautiful. We can shine. That is a beautiful community. That's the church. That's his bride of Christ. That's us. That's us. We're going to sing another song um, and go back into one more song of worship. And I want to encourage you. This, is, this isn't a uh, go pick up your kids song. This isn't a beat the crowd to lunch song. This is not a transition song. This is a response time. For us as a community to be healthy and let God work among us. I want to encourage you as we sing to, to surrender to God. To surrender whatever situation you're in, whatever place that you're at today. To say, Lord... I want to be your child that's on mission with you, reflecting your light in a twisted generation. I need your help to do it. I need you to say that I'm blameless and innocent and without blemish. I need you, Lord God, so here I am. Use me. If that could be the cry of our heart, if we could strive for that together, God will do incredible things through us. This will be a new song to you that we're going to sing. But I want to invite you to listen to the words and then to join in and to sing together. Let me pray over us and then we're going to sing together. Lord God, we pray that this, this would be the mark of Antioch Church. That we are a gospel community. That the light coming out of us is shining so bright that the darkness of the world is penetrated and is never the same. God, we know that each one of us has a role to play in that. And so we pray that you would unite us together for your purpose, for your glory. We worship you and we humble ourselves. We, we, we throw ourselves at you and say, Lord God, use us for your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray.